Welcome to Season 5 of KnowledgeCast, hosted by Jack Williams. We're excited about this season's guest, and you can learn more about this new season along with our guest in previous seasons at jackwwilliams.com slash podcast. Now let's listen in to an all-new episode with Jack and this week's special guest. Well, welcome to our fifth season of Knowledge Cast. Glad that you joined us today, and if you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're one of our regulars, thank you for coming back. Well, today, we're honored to have as a guest, David Pollack. He really doesn't need much of an introduction, but I'm going to share a few things about him before we dive into our questions. David was a three-time All-American football player at University of Georgia, winning about every individual national defensive player award that you can uh, win. He had the Lott Trophy, the Ted Hendricks Award, Lombardi Award, and the Chuck Bednarik Award. He was the 17th uh, pick in the first round by the Cincinnati Bengals, and after playing two years, had to uh, end his career with a career-ending uh, cervical vertebrae injury. injury. And uh, David also was a college football analyst, for ESPN for 15 years and also a member of the Emmy award-winning college game day for 12 years. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, brother. Well, from a timing perspective for our listeners, we're taping this before the start of the the 23 football season. David, you had an amazing career at the University of Georgia, uh, being named All-American for three consecutive years. What do you remember most about your time at Georgia? I think for me, you always do the the team goals, you know, being able to uh, to win an SEC championship for the first time in 20 years. That's something that we hadn't done at Georgia. It shouldn't be that long, by the way. Like Georgia's got so much talent and uh, so much history. You you, you want to keep Georgia in the forefront of everybody's mind and be a national championship contender. But we hadn't done that. So I think accomplishing that goal with Coach Rick, just laying the foundation. Coach Rick came in at the same time as me, or I guess more importantly, I came in the same time as Coach Rick. <laughs> And, um, you know, was his first class. So just took a lot of pride. And I think um, laying the foundation for Georgia and kind of making Georgia national championship contenders in year two. Um, We had that opportunity after I think we had eight and four year one. And um, so we just had a lot of success. uh, But but I think winning that first SEC championship and swinging the tide back around was definitely my most vivid memory. Well, you clearly did uh, swing the tide and, and did lay that foundation. Well, you you achieved everybody's uh, every football player's dream while being drafted there in the first round by the Bengals. Were you expecting to be picked by them, or was that a total surprise to you? Nah, you never know. And the reason you don't know is because um, the teams aren't going to tell you. If they tell you, you're going to tell somebody else. Somebody else is going to try to trade up. So the, the the draft is a great secret. It's always so cool the way it's ran. Like. Uh, nobody wants to leak information, but then some people leak information just to get other information on other people's information. So right. there's just so much, so much that goes into it. Um, I'll tell you this, I had a hat for every team in the draft and every time they went on the clock, I put it on and I threw it off and put it on, threw it off and made it weird because <laughs> the Texans, the Texans actually traded back up after they didn't take me with the 13th pick. And so I had to go back down the steps, get it just to throw them down the steps um, again but um, never knew the Bengals. I had my phone and the Bengals. It said five one three when they called, and I was uh, I was like, ah, oh, crud, man. The Bengals, their past, their history, bags over their heads, like not winning. Um, orange coming from Georgia, you know, having an right. orange squad, uh, all that kind of was like, nah, nah, no. Nah. And then I, they drafted me, and um, so blessed with Coach Lewis and so many of my friends that actually got to come along with me. But um, definitely. Uh, 
definitely was an awesome experience, but definitely not not one that I knew was coming because the draft is a huge surprise. Yeah, somebody ought to write a book about all the lies told during draft week. Uh, <laughs> Jeff that, Saturday would be a good one to do it. You know, Jeff, yeah. let's make that happen. Liar, yeah. Jeff Saturday, you're a liar. <laughs> we'll have to bring that up with him. Well, you get uh, you get injured in your second season with the Bengals, and and all of a sudden now your your career is over. When they told you that uh, your playing days were over, what was your initial reaction and then after you, you kind of got over the initial reaction how did you kind of regroup and kind of um, create a new life plan well I, I think with um, the severity of my neck I knew it was a possibility all along and I was trying to rehab um, about a two-year period of rehabbing getting stronger all that stuff that went into it and um, you know with a chance to give myself an opportunity to play but I knew if I was at more risk than anybody else, I was not going to play. And they knew that too. So, um, you know, I just gave myself an opportunity. But once I found out, man, it was just, you know, what does God have for me next? You know, what's the next steps? Um, you know, being a football player was something I had always dreamed of. You know, since I was six years old, I told everybody I knew I was going to play in the NFL. And that dream was gone. Um, my next biggest dream was having babies. And uh, got had my son, um, was able to have my daughter. And um, honestly you know, media career kind of birthed out of nowhere, just watching college game day and watching Kirk and watching them talk about a certain subject. And, and, and it was the 2007 Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm like, this dude's saying we got to win our conference to go to this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm sitting there yelling at the TV screen. And um, I was like, eh, well, you know what? I, I think I check a lot of the boxes for being a, a commentator. And I was, and my wife was like, well, what are those? I was like, I'm loud. I'm opinionated. I'm obnoxious. I think I got a lot of the skills. To, <laughs> yeah. You checked, really you did check them all. Yeah, I got all these skills. So um, then I started to, to to go into that. But man, I just I, I'm a firm believer in in God, and I'm a firm believer, and He doesn't make mistakes. And I'm so thankful for these bumps along the way. And my neck was a huge bump, and it was a huge setback that gave me a path forward that made me a better father, made me a better husband, um, made me better a better friend. Uh, so I'm just. I was very thankful in the end. I'm not saying, I guess the better answer to your question is, you know, it, it takes a little while to figure it out what you want to do, where you want to go. Um, but when you got God as your compass, you know, he's for you and God is for us and not against us. And so I knew whatever he brought my way was going to be something that was spectacular. And, uh, and it was. Well, his timing is always on time. It doesn't necessarily jive with what we think is on time, but it's always in his time. Um, well, yeah, I know you kind of got your start, I believe, in an Atlanta radio station, and then you got hooked up with CBS. And then what what prompted the move from CBS over to ESPN? You know, it, it, you talk about God and you talk about like seminal moments and um, just things that stick out. Like, so I told you I was watching Kirk and that was something that was was important to me, watching him. Um, you know, watching it, watching him and arguing with him, thinking it's something I could do. Well, you know, if you fast forward, I'm working with, you know, Fox, you know, starting off with SEC Gridiron Live. You know, it's a it's a show that's late at night. Not a lot of viewers. My mama wasn't staying up to watch. Ain't nobody watching, by the way, Jack. Like, let's be honest. Um, and uh, and and Kirk was flipping through the channels in Ohio and he saw it. And it's the craziest thing ever. But he texted me and he was like, hey, dude, you're good at this stuff. You got good passion. You got good energy, man you should try doing this. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Sign me up. So, um, you know, it took a friend, it took, it took somebody to reach down and, and to pick me up. And 
somebody to see something in me that they thought was good and um, to pour into me and to show me the ropes. And Kirk definitely did that at ESPN. Had you ever met him before that? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'd, I'd gone to Kenny Chesney concerts with him and um, knew him from college game day. And obviously he covered me when I was when I was in schools at, at Georgia. So I'd known him for several years. Cool. Well, you just recently left uh, ESPN in the college game day crew. That just had to be a incredible uh, experience for you. Uh, what did it? You know, how did it come about moving from from that to that introduction and recommendation by Kirk to moving into you know at that time was a pretty established crew there on ESPN. Oh, yeah. Was there any apprehension that man, am I going to mess up this chemistry? First of all, Jack, that was the nicest way of ever saying somebody getting fired in my life. That was awesome <laughs> by you. Um, I got fired. All right. I got told, I got told, you know, work, you don't work here anymore. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't, it, it's a God thing too. I started working at um, ESPNU and kind of finding my way. And um, then ESPN college game day expanded another hour and they added the first hour on ESPNU. Well, I was an ESPNU guy at the time. So it kind of threw me into that spot and it put me on there with Aaron Andrews. And so kind of just, you know, did that first hour and then disappeared for, for several years and then slowly started to work in the show um, more and more. And then uh, shoot became a, a guy on the show that was there every single week and was there, um, you know, at every, at some point in every show, obviously several times and in the discussions and just thankful, man. Th so thankful to be a part of that show. So flipping cool, man. Travel around the country, talk football, uh, with a bunch of really good people. One of my better friends, Reese Davis, is on that show. Just um, showed me the ropes, how to be a dad, how to be a husband, how to have a, uh, be a pro professional, a true pro's pro. Um, so just, man, it was such an awesome thing that, you know, God God, God gave me an opportunity. I, I maximized it. I, I, you know, I worked really hard, but it was just a, a cool thing that, um, honestly, I didn't think I was worthy to do, but I was just really God, glad God brought it in my life. Well, you, you had some crazy experiences doing that show. Any, any of them jump out at you? Man, there's so many. That's, 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 uh, I mean, the, the smaller schools always just resonated, Jack. Like those were the ones that the North Dakota States and the JMUs and, um, you know, even Washington state, you know, they had the flag that comes to every right. game day for so long, going there and, and fireworks firing off at 6am local time and, you know, 40,000 people there. Um, so there, it's just so many memories. It's it, and, and it's a new flavor every week, which was really cool because you went to a new city and new fight songs and new chants and new fans, new faces. Um, but there were so many good ones that I could go on and on down the list. But I I'd always I think the small ones always resonated the most, the, the South Dakota states, the North Dakota states and, you know, giving them some love because it was always like, thank you so much for coming. And I'm like, well, this is kind of my job, you know, like I got to be here regardless, <laughs> but it was uh, the level of appreciation was crazy. Yeah. I, I think the appreciation, I mean, the big schools, obviously it's a big deal for them, but the little schools uh, it's a really big deal uh, for those oh, guys. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting for our listeners. Walk us through uh, a week. What's your schedule look like when you were doing game day, you know, walk us through that week in terms of, you know, what did you do? How did you prepare which days travel, all of that stuff. What's a typical week? What would that look like? You know, the last couple of years had changed because I, I became a high school football coach as well. And um, so that definitely added a little bit to my plate, you know, during the week. But um, for TV purposes, man, listen, it's just like anything else with all of us. You get out what you put in. Like 
I don't have to go watch every game that happened the week before, but if I'm going to speak about it educatedly and know what the heck's going on, you might want to pop it in. So it, it was really cool to be able to have access to the coaches tapes and um, to be able to watch tape and just study these teams and watch them every Saturday. And um, so, but I, I would prep all throughout the week. I would do podcasts, you know, throughout the week, I, I would uh, have shows on Tuesday night, the ranking shows where I'd fly up on Tuesday, come home on Wednesday, you know, starting in October on. Um, so, you know, uh, a lot of travel, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, travel, get to game day, you know, Thursday, come home Saturday night and, um, a good bit of that for, for a portion of the season. So again, there's sacrifices, man. Like I, I missed a lot of family time. I miss games from my kids stuff. And, um, but it was something that was enjoyable and, uh, it was, it was worth it. I got to bring my son or my daughter with me. Let me shoot. I'd say once every other weekend and all of my, my son's friends have been with me. Um, so just a cool, uh, a cool thing to be able to do, but it was definitely a busy schedule, but man, it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, I believe if I'm not mistaken, you actually, you mentioned about coaching high school. I didn't realize that, but I, I believe you did coach your son's team there while you were doing this as well. Didn't you? Oh, you dang Skippy youth league football, baby. I was, I was obsessed, uh, for a long time with it. It was so much fun to, to coach the North Oconee Titans. I started with my son probably when he was, you know, when he was about five years old is when we started coaching. And then I started uh, more and more the more we went. I understand you guys uh, put some beatings on some folks, too. You dang skippy, bro. That's what we're supposed to do, Jack. We talked about we're supposed to light <laughs> we're people up. Supposed to, supposed to demonstrate mercy. Mer- yeah, no, 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 no mercy. Um, we, would, we would demonstrate mercy. But, man, it was really fun to work with kids. And, you know, to go from NFL – and then speak the language of a six-year-old was incredibly difficult, Jack. Like I was, I was like, I was so intense and and I'm one of the more competitive people you will ever meet in your life. And by the way, my greatest strength in life and my greatest weakness by far, like it's got me places in life. That's been awesome. And it's also brought me down to here and people around me frustrated like crazy. So, um, but just learning to, to teach the kids to compete, to love it, to love the game of football, to love the game of basketball, um, you know, it's, it's been a fun journey with my kids. And now my son's going into high school this year for the first time. My daughter's going into eighth grade, but I'm coaching my daughter's eighth grade basketball team this year. Um, love coaching my daughter too. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it just gives you more time with them pouring into it, but the youth league sports were, were a fun era for the Pollocks. Well, my son became an athletic director at a small Christian school here and they, they had not had football very long. And he asked me, would I help him start a, uh, youth program, coach a youth program. And I had coached college football for seven years, a long time ago, but my grandson was going to be playing up a year and you give me a chance to spend some time with him. And I know what you mean about those experiences. We played a team and we had a little, uh, just a great kid, but real undersized kid was a uh, defensive back and they ran a sweep one time and he was on the far sideline, but I saw his entire body flip up in the air and land on his, on his back. And about three plays later, uh, the quarter changes and he's over on our sideline and they run the same sweep with the same guy. And he Ugh. looked at that guy for a second and then he turned around and became a lead blocker all the way to the end zone. <laughs> he changed nah, bro. Yeah, he changed nah, bro. And I didn't blame when, him at all. That's when you got to teach bl- them. You got to teach them. Like we, we taught them we're ankle biters, bro. Like we're going, we're going low and we have no fear. We're not trying to knock people out anymore. We're trying to get people on the ground. Go tackle them ankles, son. Yeah, that's, that's the least, least uh, place to get hurt. Well, let's talk a little college football. You uh, obviously uh, 
watched a ton of college football and you've interacted with probably hundreds of the college coaches in your opinion. And now you can say it off the air in your opinion, who do you think are the top three college head coaches? And who do you think are three that are probably undervalued for how good they really are? Well, obviously you go straight to Kirby, Nick and Dabo probably that are the top three. Um, you know, just runs, success, recent history, uh, recruiting. I think, I think all sustainability. Nick obviously has done it better than anybody. He deserves that hot, that top spot. Um, Kirby's as hot as anybody. Dabo had a streak that was pretty daggum phenomenal too. So I, I think those three are, are coaches that um, have separated themselves from probably just about everybody else. And then we can start talking about the Harbaugh's and the days and those guys that are in the next tier, but they're not there. Um, they're not, they're not at that next level yet. So I think um, those three coaches for sure. The, the thing that's fun about coaching man is a lot of times these guys come up out of nowhere and you ain't never heard of them. You know, you haven't seen much about them, um, but that, but that's, I think that's the cooler things. And then you have some guys that are lifers and assistants for, for so long, like a Venables with, with, with Dabo for so long and so much success at Clemson. And then, you know, tries his hand and goes to Oklahoma last year. Um, but I think when you talk about guys that are that are on the rise, you know, when you look at uh, when you look at Washington, the Huskies, you know, that's a program that I think this year is going to be really, really good. They got a kid, Michael Penix Jr., who can spin the crap out of the football. Right. I mean, right. he can he can absolutely spin it. Um, they're going to be a team that all of a sudden they're going to get a, a ton of attention because they're going to suit up and everybody's going to start talking about them. But but as far as as, as coaches and and that, that I respect the crap out of and that I really like. Like Dave Clawson, a guy like that at Wake Forest. He's a guy that has – he's competed for ACC titles at Wake Forest, been there for forever, morphs to his system with his players as well as anybody. Like takes what he has and goes and makes it happen. And that's a really fun, cool thing I think to to be able to do. Like to take where, where you're at with what you got and build a system around it that's unique, that's very, very different. So, you know, Clawson's one of those guys that I really, really respect. Um Let's see, I'm not in full football mode yet, Jack. So I'm I'm still thinking in my, I'm sorry. In my sm- small brain. Um, let's see. Oh, that's good. We're, we can let's get we can edit this, so I can I can take patience if I want to. Uh, let's see. Who the heck am I missing? A rising up and coming. Lincoln's already up and up there. Yeah. Um, Sark's already there. You freeze is back in Auburn. You mentioned the guy at Washington. I mean, he's 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 a known known coach, but he he's been consistent wherever he's been. Yeah. Georgia Tech. All right, here's one. Here's one for you. Mike Norvell with Florida State has done okay. an unbelievable job of taking exactly that program. By the way, was awful. Like that program, after Jimbo left Florida State, Florida State, the brand with recruits, with everybody, that thing tanked. And it went from good to horrible really, really quickly. Um, so I would say Mike Norvell is a guy this year that we'll be talking about a ton. That um, He's a guy that I think will – I think FSU has a chance to have a really, really special season. And he'll be a guy that's talked about it because he's done a great job, an unbelievable job of blending the transfer portal and high school recruiting, but keeping a little bit of continuity real well. 
Another guy I'll give you is Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning is a, is an up and coming guy. He was the DC at Georgia um, right. for their first national championship. Went to Oregon, uh, recruiting at a really really high level. Put together a super great staff. Already his staff's already been rated after one year. Um, but I think Dan's made of all the right stuff, and he's he's got a defensive focus. He's got an eye for talent. Knows how to recruit. I think he's another guy that will be uh, will be talked about a lot, and I think he'll succeed and, and do better than what. Um, what uh, what uh, I think better than what Oregon's done in the past several years. Now, listen, Chip Kelly was a different era that we can talk about. Like that was that was probably the height of of Oregon football. But he can definitely uh, take this program higher than the last couple coaches. Well, I'm going to give the props to a guy that we had on our our program, uh, Bronco Mendenhall. I'm hoping that Bronco gets back. What in a the great game. dude! What what a great what a fantastic dude. coach and what a great unique individual. I'll use that word. It's a great word. It's a great use of the word unique. I've spent time with so many of these countries or coaches across the country. And I would say he's one of the most unique. That is, that is for dang sure. Oh, I'll give you a softball question here. Pretty easy one. How do, how do we fix this NIL mess? Oh man. Um, Well, we need, we need an NCAA that's worth a crap. That would be a good start. Um, Somebody that's going to legislate football. You know, you got to realize NIL stands for now it's legal. Um, and right. ain't like this stuff ain't been happening for a long time, um, but now it's legal. And then you, you just open Pandora's box and say, Hey guys, go run it. And and you're taking years off of these coaches lives. I mean, years of what they're asked to do and um, with a lack of parameters. So it just needs to be um, like name, image, and likeness means uh, capitalizing on my name, my image, and my likeness that I have built, not that to come to your school, I haven't built anything yet. So I think paying kids to come to your school is is something that's frustrated coaches a, a lot, and it hasn't worked quite honestly with a lot of the brands because they tried to buy it, but buying it, you still got to build it, and you still got to build culture and keep these kids and hold them to a standard. So um, that and the transfer portal has definitely you know made football. Um, uh, let's put it this way: you talk to all these coaches, it's taken years off of their lives. I, I don't know how they do it. I mean, they when you have to spend twenty four seven recruiting your own team first in addition yep. to your high school and then being looking on, see who's going to be uh, jumping into that portal. You know, the name image and license was supposed to be a reward instead of an enticement. But uh, the only, the only thing bad about the NCAA, the only worst organization in terms of getting anything done from the NCAA other than the NCAA is Congress. And it looks like they're going to place it in Congress's hands. So no oh, telling sure. what, That's great. whatever come I'm out sure of we'll that, get that fixed right away. That, Whatever happens there. All right. Well, last thing. Now that you're a free agent, any thoughts on areas that you might want to be, you know, pursue? Not specific jobs, but areas of interest. Same yeah. field. No, I mean, man, God is God is good, and I just like with my neck, what I told you, man. Like I, I want to be wherever He's got me, whatever He's got next for me, that I can make a big impact. I love coaching. Coaching is fun. Um, just dude, the, the amount of people that I've been able to talk to just in the first you know, little bit since I've been off and and talk about the future. It's really exciting. Like it's fun to talk about the possible, you know, when you're, when you're figuring things out, I think you get stuck in a, in a rut sometimes or just the way that life takes you. And it's always fun to me when you kind of get swept back a little bit and you got to go, all right, what's really important to me. And I think, so now that's kind of like me refocusing. One thing I'll continue to do is I've been speaking all over the place and um, you know, just sharing my story, sharing my faith. And um, it's been something that's been super, super fun because, you know, 
I think people look at my story and go, oh man, they, you know, like NFL player. Well, let me tell you about sucking it up too. Let me tell you about being a three-star in high school. Let me tell you about going to college and playing three positions in, in, a, in a semester, you know, and, and, the, and the climb that it took to get there. Let me tell you, oh yeah, you see the NFL. Well, let me tell you about breaking my neck. Well, you see college game day. Well, let me tell you about being in a halo for, for a, a halo or a neck brace for a year, for a year and a half, two years. Like I, I just, you know, like to share my story. So I think um, I definitely will have probably more TV in the future, um, maybe coaching in the future. Um, who knows, man? That's that's what's exciting and fun, Jack. Whatever's uh, whatever the art of the possible is, but wherever God takes me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take His lead. Where are you coaching high school now? I didn't know that. Yeah, North Oconee Titans, baby. We are the oh, Titans. Okay. okay, I got you. Well, listen, David. David, thanks so much for being with us, and we're excited to see uh, what God's got planned for you in the, in the next assignment and. I know that your phone is going to be blowing up, as you've already mentioned, with opportunities. And you'll know what uh, that right opportunity is and at the right time. And uh, selfishly, I want to tell you, you know, the, the theme of our broadcast is to be a positive influence in the lives of others. And you are uh, a walking example, regardless of what your vocation ends up being, of uh being just that and we just wish that you'll continue to to continue to be that positive influence in the lives of others so folks thanks again for joining us today and i look forward to having you back with us next week as we spend time with another interesting guest and until then make sure you're being a positive influence in the lives of others